Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Andy Shoemaker. I am the lead pastor here at Friends Church Capay. We are located about 20 miles northwest of Chico, California, and glad you are with us. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you could email me at andy at friendschurchcapay.com, or you can visit our website. It's simply this, capay.church. How easy is that? Capay. Dot church. We are in a series talking about anxiety, and if you missed the first week, you could go back and take a listen. Uh, but we are going to dive right in. A few uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it was spring break for my boys, and uh, and I had told them that we are going to go to an Oakland A's game at the end of our at the end of the spring break. But what they didn't know is that I had uh, booked us a flight. Uh, my sister-in-law works for an airline, and uh, once a year she gifts us with uh, uh, some standby tickets where we can fly anywhere the airline flies, uh, round trip, flying standby. And, and so I had made plans for us to fly to Texas to go watch a Ranger game. So the whole week I had been hyping to my boys that we would be going to Oakland to go watch the A's play. And uh, they had no idea what was in store for them. And so the day came where they thought we were going to the Oakland A's game. We load up the car, and I had secretly packed our clothes in, into a bag uh, that they didn't know was in the car. And we start driving south on the 5 freeway headed towards Oakland. And I told them, you know, it's about a three-hour drive, so just be patient. When you got a five- and a nine-year-old, good luck with that, right? And so we're driving down the 5 freeway, and... and uh, we had been on the road, and we get off at the Sacramento airport, and my uh, nine-year-old, who can read, he realizes that we are not in Oakland, that we are at the Sacramento airport. And he begins asking questions. Dad, why are we at the airport? We're supposed to be going to the Oakland A's game. And I just told them, we are right where we need to be. And then the five-year-old starts chiming in once he realizes what the nine-year-old has realized, that we are not at in Oakland, we are at the airport. And the five-year-old's, Dad, why are we at the airport? We're not supposed to be here. I thought we were going to the Oakland A's game. And I said, we are right where we need to be. And so uh, they keep peppering me with questions. What are we doing? Why are we here? And I keep repeating, we're right where we need to be. And we go and we park in the parking lot and we get out. And I said, what if I told you that we're not going to the Oakland A's game? And they looked really sad. (laughs) They looked really disappointed. I said, what if I told you that we are actually going to fly to Texas to go watch a Ranger game? Man, they were so excited. They were over joyed, uh, you know, at that age, getting to fly on an airplane and, and, and go to a new place and experience something new. They were so excited about it. They had no clue it was coming. But in the course of that, as soon as my nine-year-old realized that we were not going to the Oakland A's game, he began to get really anxious because he had made plans about where he was going what he was going to do, what he was going to see. And he began to become more aware that that was not a reality. That was not going to happen. And so this anxiety began to grow up in him. And I don't know if I, I don't think I really helped his anxiety when I just said simply, you are right where you need to be. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. 
When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I love this story in scripture because Jacob, he's a guy who's on the run. If you remember, Jacob is the son of Isaac and Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the one who left his father's house because God told him to go. Leave everything you know, all your comforts, everything that brings you peace, everything that you think gives you life and that supports you. I'm asking you to leave it because I am going to do something incredible through you. And so Abraham follows the Lord and he leaves his father's house. He goes uh, because of this promise of the Lord. And the Lord blesses Abraham with a son, Isaac, even though his wife, he and his wife are old. And now Isaac, he is the inherit, he has inherited this blessing from his father Abraham. And Isaac, he gets to pass it on to his sons. What God promised Abraham was going to be promised to his sons. Now, Isaac married a woman named Rebekah, and when Rebekah was pregnant with Esau and Jacob, the Lord told her that the older son would be the servant of the younger son. Now, in the ancient world, this is not how the world worked. It is the older son who is equal to the father. It is the older son who inherits the father's blessing. But God tells Rebekah that it's going to be backwards with you and your family, that the way the world works, I'm doing something different that it is going to be the older that will serve the younger. And so Rebekah gives birth to Esau and Jacob while Jacob is grabbing at Esau's heels. Now Esau and Jacob grow up and Esau is a hunter. He likes to live on the edge. He likes to kill. He likes to hunt. He's a mountain man and he's a hairy dude. And Jacob, it says, he just was kind of a homebody. He just stayed at home around the tents. And there's this scene where Esau comes home from hunting and he's exhausted, he's famished, and he asks Jacob for some food. And Jacob says, yeah, I will give you food, but you have to give me your birthright. And Esau says to Jacob, I am surely going to die anyways, you can have it. So Esau sells his birthright for some food. I wonder if Esau knows what his birthright was. I wonder if Esau knew the story of his father Abraham, who left his father's house, who had this promise from God that, that he was going to be the father of a nation that, that would number the stars in the sky. I wonder if Esau knew that, that, that what had been passed from his grandfather to his father was supposed to be his. 
And so he sells his birthright to Jacob. Now later on in the text, Esau is called into his father's tent, his father Isaac. Now Isaac at this point is old and he is blind. And he tells his son Esau, go out and kill something delicious for us to feast on and I will pass the blessing on to you. Well, Rebecca gets word and she knows what the Lord has told her. And so she grabs Jacob and she prepares a meal for Jacob to trick uh, his blind father into thinking that Jacob is Esau. And so Isaac ends up giving Jacob the blessing. Esau returns and is now furious because he was supposed to inherit his father's blessing and has now been passed on to Jacob, just like the Lord had said. And now Esau wants to kill Jacob. Jacob is fleeing from his brother Esau because Isaac, their father, gave Jacob the blessing. So when Jacob becomes aware of the Lord's presence, when Jacob becomes aware that surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't recognize it, he's in the midst of a very, I guess you could say, anxious situation. Because when you are fleeing because your brother is trying to kill you, you're probably anxious. Now there's this truth, there's this reality is that he has been in the temple of the Lord the whole time. He was just unaware of it. The reality is the blessing that was passed on to him was always his. The Lord had already spoken that to his mom. And then this blessing actually existed long before him. It was from his father, his grandfather Abraham that was passed on to Isaac which raises all sorts of questions for us about our awareness of God's presence, our awareness of what God is up to. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Just like Jacob in a dream becomes aware of God's presence, how many of us have been dwelling in the desert of anxiety, unaware of God's promise and presence to us. Jacob is on the run. And how many of us, when we are on the run, maybe that run is just trying to accomplish the next thing, trying to achieve that next goal, just trying to move forward. And we might be living in a perpetual state of anxiety because we're always looking to get to the next thing. So how do we move from the desert of anxiety, of fear, to the reality of the presence of God? Because anxiety is like a desert. It's this constant search, always looking for peace, but never quite finding it. We might actually spend days, months, years, even decades in the desert of anxiety. And when we become so accustomed to it, that it has become part of our spirit. It's become part of our ethos. It's become part of our personality. If you look around, how many people are just spinning their wheels because they're trying to accomplish just one more thing, achieve that next goal, that next dream? It's when Jacob has nowhere else to go. When night has fallen, when he's tired and exhausted, when he's not scheming, when he's not tricking his brother, when he's not scheming with his mother. Notice God reveals himself 
when Jacob is finally quiet and asleep. See, I think oftentimes when we are filled with anxiety, we like to stay on the move, we like to stay busy, or we like to keep the appearance of being busy. Because when we stay in motion, the reality is if we were to pause for a second, we might become more aware of our situation. We might become more aware of our problems. See, it's when Jacob stops and when he's no longer moving, it's when he finds this quiet place, when he has no agenda, where there's nothing left to accomplish, that the Lord reveals himself and he becomes aware of what has been true the whole time. See, the peace and awesomeness of the Lord is not something that shows up, but Jacob just becomes aware of it. When we live in a state of anxiety, when we are always trying to obtain something that seems as though it is out there, we might not be aware of what is present within us. You know, the central message of the gospel is that God comes to us. That we don't achieve salvation. God offers it to us freely. There's no amount of running. There's no amount of scheming. There's nothing more that you can do to achieve salvation, to achieve peace. Because the central message of the gospel is this, is that Jesus comes to us. I love the words in John 1, the way John starts his gospel. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Essentially what John is saying is the ultimate reality of who God is, is manifested in Jesus. And this Jesus that has come to earth is true of what has been true the whole time. What is true in Jesus has been there the whole time. It is just now here in the flesh. Jesus has come to set us free and it has be, and it has been accomplished on the cross. I want us to look over to Psalm 23. This is one of those psalms that we read at a funeral. And I want us to focus on verse 2. Last week we looked at verse 1. Psalm 23, but I want us to look at verse 2. Verse 1 is, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. And we talked about what it means for us to lack nothing. But I want us to focus on here on verse 2. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is a fascinating psalm, because this psalm is written for people who live in the midst of the desert. This region, um, there's not a whole lot of green pastures. They're far and few between. So as a shepherd, your job would be taking the sheep from pasture to pasture, from watering hole to watering hole, so that they could survive. A lot of us live like that, right? We It seems like we're just moving from thing to thing just so that we can survive. But notice what this psalm Says It says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He does, The sheep aren't feasting in this psalm. They're just present. That there is all this food and sustenance for them, and yet they're not partaking in it. They're just lying down. They've already had their fill. They have 
all that they need. They're just existing in it. They're just present in it. What the psalmist is trying to describe is what life is like when we become aware of of the Lord's presence in our lives. When we become aware of his faithfulness and goodness and the way that he has provided and taken care of us. Because we live in a world that there are so many great things for us to partake in. There are so many good things that you could be doing with your time. Things that are worthy of your time. Things that bring us joy, that bring us satisfaction, that bring us fulfillment. There are lots of good things for us to partake in in this world. But when we are aware of the Lord's presence, we are also very content with just being present in the midst of it and not having to feast. See, I think this is, this is a tough reality for us who live, especially in the Western world, where our lives are built around consumerism. There's always one more thing to achieve. There's always one more thing to gain. And if we live our life like that, it's almost as if we're in the desert looking for green pasture after green pasture after green pasture. We're looking for another watering hole. Sometimes we live our life looking to survive just one more day. We got to get to the next thing. We got to get to achieve the next goal. We got to get the next job. We got to get the next raise. We got to get this gadget. We got to get this vacation. I got to get this car. I got to do this to my house so Chip and Joanna Gaines would approve of it. Right? So much of our life is about getting to the next thing and consuming. And when we become aware of the Lord, when he is our shepherd, and we realize we lack nothing. We can actually live in the midst of all these great and wonderful, beautiful things. Raises are good. Good jobs are good. Working on your home is good. But you could live in the midst of it and be completely content with where you are, with what you have. Are you running to the next thing? Are you like Jacob on the run? And you realize the more you are on the run, you are filled with anxiety. You are filled with worry about achieving that next thing. Maybe today the Lord is just asking you to lie down. Maybe the Lord is asking you today to just become aware of his presence become aware of his faithfulness become aware of what has been true the whole time when we become aware of what has been true the whole time we find contentment there's nothing else to achieve It takes a lot of discipline to do that, doesn't it? It takes a lot of self-control to not worry about what is next. To not have a goal, to not have an agenda. But I want to challenge you this week that you would become aware of the Lord's presence right where you are. 
May you walk in the grace that has been there the whole time. May you become aware of it. May your anxiety about tomorrow be buried with Christ. Christ. 